Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is your other host, Jeff Clossy. Good morning, Jay. Do you like other host or co-host? Whatever you like. No, it's not I like true. That. I, no, I do. I, I like either one. Oh, the other host? Yeah. <laughs> the I'm other gonna, guy. Oh, that's what I should say. Since everyone teases me about the how I introduce myself on Sunday morning, I should say I'm Jay Williams, one of your hosts. Yeah, that's good. I should do that. I'm going to start doing that. That's a little insider little inside little zing (laughs) couple um for some of our listeners uh hey man i don't know if you noticed happy december happy december i know and it is very decembery outside it's lovely and and it's supposed to get like close to 50 this week isn't it i had just found that out when i got in here this morning i was getting the updates and i'm kind of shocked by that so this brings up a really important question when something like this happens slushy snow like that and you know it's going to be up in the upper 40s do you shovel or do you let it just freeze over and hope that it melts well at different seasons in my life the answer is different right now i shovel because of my driveway is like the biggest hill in marinette county so it is like 18 (laughs) percent degree grade inevitably it will freeze even if there's just a little bit on there so i i do clear it but yeah, I thought you were going to say, do you say we're going to pay for this? No, <laughs> no, no, that's I'm, how you know I'm, I'm not, ready for it. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know I'm not originally from Northeast Wisconsin because I don't say things like that. That'll that'll be, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, I want you to be paying attention um, at the end of the week to hear if you hear anyone say, well, we're going to pay for this nice weather. Yeah. We're going to pay for it. And yeah. you just say, well... I don't know. It'll Let's either, enjoy it. <laughs> it, it. The two phrases are, we're going to pay for this or it it won't last long. It's not going to last. And that one I want to hear in December. Cause I'm like, well, what do you expect? Like, you know, second week of December is pretty, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty lasting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my favorite. But I like this time of year is so great. This doesn't, the, the cold, I think that's, what's crazy about up here is it doesn't really start getting annoying to me until late January. Yeah. Right now it's fairly manageable. Oh, like yeah, just even standing is. in the parking lot, you can fun. feel the sun still, which yeah. is, that's always a good sign. <laughs> Yeah. It's not just light, you feel it. But it's also those evenings where last night, late at night, it got warm again. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happens. I'm not a meteorologist, but it did. So, um, But it, that doesn't mean, even though it's getting close to 50 degrees, it doesn't mean it's not December in Wisconsin. It is, and it's Advent, and you started, you kicked off our Advent series. Yeah, it was so fun to get into Advent. It was fun to be with everyone and... Yeah, it's such a great time of year. It's unique too, right? With the fourth Sunday of Advent this year going to be Christmas Eve. That's not something that happens very often. It feels different. It is. It is different. You know, by the way, if people didn't notice, I wasn't there on Sunday because I was under the weather. Um, and so then some of the people who knew that wondered if you if you were actually scheduled to preach. Oh, that was nice. I I could have said, I I should have said, no, he just like on the fly. He just went up there and just. Stream of consciousness. (laughs) This is the things that I think about Advent. Yeah. It'd be so funny to think about that. And then the danger of that is somebody go, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Don't affirm that. So, so no, it was by God. There's very few people in the world that would understand that actually. (laughs) Well, and it's so wild. Like I have probably missed, I think in my eight years here, I may have missed that may have been my second Sunday missing because of illness mm. in eight years. And it just happened to be that you were scheduled to preach. Thank the Lord God's, for that, right? God's providence in that. So for you and for me and for everyone else, right? Like it just, we would, we would manage, right? Cause that will happen at some point, but yeah, it's nice when it, 
I know. It doesn't fall on the well, one where you're talked, supposed to preach. I know. And we've talked about that before. This is like a staff meeting here now. We're going to let everybody in on a staff meeting. But I did mention to you and Christoph, especially, like you should have one in the chamber. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a bad, t- well, it's like a sword. Everyone knows what you mean. Sh- they do. Have one in the sheath because the word of God is a sword. So I get like it. Like one in the sheath. <laughs> one in the hopper. Whatever. But you should have, just have something you know, ready to go if you, in case, in case you need a pinch hitter. Cause you guys get up there and say any volunteers, anyone have any thoughts this morning? Well, and then just see what happens a little bit. It like, could be exciting. It's a little bit like house church, just yep. a big, big house church. So, but that's not what happened. You were very prepared well, and, and worship was kicking off the wonderful. Advent season. Yeah. Tyler had all his different instruments up there. Oh really? Or did you see the video at all? You were, I know you were really sick, so it wasn't I like wasn't. Your, yeah. So he had a banjo a mandolin and the upright bass. So we all had a treat each Did song. Did you play them all it. at once? No, no. That would have been amazing. Did you know that I required Robbie? I made him promise to me that at if if he's at my funeral that I want him to do a one-man band. Yes, thing. I did know that. Okay. Well, I just like to I'll say it every CD once in a while too. so everybody knows that, that I did actually ask him to do that. One, so if he doesn't do it, you can give him a hard time for not doing it. And two, that if he does, you don't think it's him trying to put on a show. It's not about you, Robbie. Yeah. It's not <laughs> no, Jay, Jay said that. Yeah, sure he did. I've been there for that conversation. Uh, that's good. So let's be there here for this conversation. Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. So what was, I mean, you said that you were just really excited to prepare for this. And I was excited for you because you you're a big Advent guy. And uh, so I knew you'd be really excited about the prospect of doing an Advent series. So I couldn't think of it. It's just very fitting to have you kick it off. So as you were preparing for it, like, why why do you get so excited about Advent? It's interesting to me, like the built in. So that sounds I, terrible, by the way, as though I'm like, why, you're weird. Not, yeah. why are you so, you know, but no, you are especially. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, yeah. I just love it. I, I think some of it is, is like season of life, you know, I, I think this season is different for everyone. Some people, the reality is when they enter the holiday season, it's challenging, right? It can be lonely. It can be discouraging for me. It's different this year. So we just had Thanksgiving and Christmas, and this will be the first holidays without my mom. So that's a big change for our family. Thanksgiving was wonderful to be in, in my mom's house with my dad and it was a joy. And so I think for me, part of it is there's like a, just the build it like Advent is one of those seasons that I can actually tangibly feel. And I, and I, the challenge for me over the years has been to really just be in the season that we're in. And what I mean is it can be easy, even though I love Advent to, to have my mind going out other places. And I've been trying, especially this year to really like when I'm in the word, when I'm praying, have my mind and my heart focused on what God is doing as he prepares all of us for Jesus's advent, um, both the, you know, the past advent Christmas, but then the future arrival of Jesus. And I guess this year more than ever, I just feel the need in my own soul to be leaning on he's coming. He's going to set this all right. He's going to take care of this. And sometimes we just feel it more than others. And this year I just feel it. And like, there is no other hope. I need him to do that. And we all need him to do that. So, yeah, I guess it's a combination of things. I just do love it. I love the songs of this time of year. I'll come, I'll come Emmanuel is one of my favorite. Mm -hmm. And it's like probably the most famous Advent song. Right. And I just love it. Um, 
I don't know. How about you? Can you relate to that? How it just different seasons of life. It feels different this time of year. Oh, for sure. And I, I think what I'm, what I'm thinking about there is in this anticipation, I, I find it interesting, the contrast in our culture. Um, you really, there are seasons where you see, uh, the gospel narrative really clashing with our, our, um, Mm -hmm. worldly narratives and Christmas season Advent is such a prime focus of that because the worldly, um, the worldly view of it is that it's supposed to be restful and peaceful, but it's anything but like we create these circumstances from a worldly point of view, whether it's indulging in our consumerism, the race for like greed and, and grabbing more and want to, and, and then, um, the racing from thing to thing and doing all the things, all the programs, all the everything. And it's, it's the exact opposite of what, what Advent is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a time of quiet and peace, like quiet anticipation and peace. Um, and yet, but it's, what's interesting to me is that that's what the world says it's supposed to be about, right? So if you watch a Christmas special, it's going to be about, Hey, it's about slowing down. It's about, you know, um, being quiet, being peaceful, being, even if they're not, even if it's obviously not Christ centered, still the values around it are, are, um, are declared by the culture. And yet everything that goes into it is the exact opposite. Yes. This, I just find that sociologically fascinating. That well, it is. I mean, and it's, in a lot of ways, it's interesting how, it's a, it's a sign, I think, of the how much like gospel truth has just penetrated our world where this, this anticipation of a final peace, right? And, and Isaiah talked about that, of, of his reign and of peace, there will be no end. So that's coming. But obviously right now in the world, we don't have that. And every, every good Christmas movie that has any kind of humor in it is basically putting that on display where they want this peaceful family thing. And it's just hilariously insane and absurd. Right. Cause it's never that way. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, I think it's, it is, it's just in our world, in our culture because of the word of Jesus has really gone forth, especially where we live in, like you said, even when people aren't intending to, you know, in their restfulness or in their peaceful heart during Christmas, they're not necessarily intending to worship him. They, they end up doing it because they're, they show that, that it's in them to wait for this. And we just all long for that when things are as they were supposed to be, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how to push back against that a little bit. I mean, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about how I try, you know, I don't shop on Thanksgiving, which is not like that big of a deal, but just like little things that you can kind of push back against. But like, I don't know in that, in the book that we've mentioned a couple of times that I, um, make all the seminary students read the ruthless elimination of hurry by Mark, John Mark Comer. It's in that book. He does such a great job of talking about Sabbath and, and rest and, and slowing things down. And I just think, man, well, and one of the, one of the points he makes in that book is that just electricity and the clock were man's attempt to kind of dethrone God in the rhythms of time. And that there was a, there was a time before electricity, for example, that when the sun went down, that was, that was basically it. 
Like there were very few things you could do after the sun went down to your point about darkness mm-hmm. that you couldn't, you could push back a little bit like with candlelight or whatever, but you weren't, you weren't going out in the fields and you know, like I was, we were driving to a basketball game last week and you know, it's at or driving home or something. It was, you know, probably eight or nine o'clock at night and they're tractors out in the field with these giant beam lights, you know, out in the field. And I thought, um, I get it. I get why they, you know, would want to do that. They were trying to do it before the snow came and before the frost came and, and all that. But I also thought, man, the rhythms, I mean, cause imagine, imagine what it would be like if the month of December was essentially kind of a collective as a culture, if it was just like, yeah, we just don't schedule a lot of things mm-hmm. and evenings are, it, you know, we're, it's hard to imagine that. It to is be so hard to imagine it, but you know, we got a little glimpse of it, unfortunately in the pandemic, but yep. there was some, there was, so there were all these obviously negative effects, lots of negative effects of forcing people to stay <laughs> in their place, especially, you know, if they're alone and isolated in that, but the, the rhythms of, of not racing to things all day long and all night long. And so now we have like, just imagine, I mean, the, it, the fact that we have snow tires and headlights and plows out on the roads and everything means that we're racing even at like nine o'clock at night on a December night, like from some sporting mm-hmm. event or concert or whatever the thing is. And I don't really know, like when you're in a culture like that, how do you, I guess that would be one question I would have is how, how do you practically draw back and and try to enter into a season of anticipating christ rather than when our when our minds are going to all of the activities and all the things that that we have to do all the things you have to prepare all the things you have to clean all the things yeah yeah i mean because all the other stuff keeps going right practices and yeah um events that's a great question i mean part of me feels like at least for me it's why i need to make sure that like what I was saying earlier, that I make sure that I'm dwelling in the season that I'm in so that even when, cause I want to participate in what's going on. Right. So like Saturday we went to the Christmas parade in Marinette. It's just another activity, right? It's like kind of what you're describing. And I did feel like, man, we're busy, you know, this is, we keep going, but it was actually really good. It was a, it was, it, I framed it in my own mind as like, we get to be together right now and celebrate and just be and so for me, some of it is a mentality and a heart posture that then overflows into the rest of uh, life. But I do think that the very simple thing of just we need to decide and be aware that every decision to do something is a decision not to do something else, you know, and there's going to be times where we just can't do it all and just we need to be okay with that. But it's not easy. Like you're describing, we have technology to overcome just about every issue, right? And caffeine to keep us going. So there's just, we have all kinds of ways of managing all of it, but, um, that's good. Yeah. Those are like, that was in true Jeff fashion. You just dropped two nuggets in like a very short. Hey, thanks Jay. Well, that would have taken me 20 minutes to <laughs> arrive at those two. You, so like the, the two things that I just want to draw out that you just said, that I think are so powerful. One is, um, you can find rest in the midst of yes. a full, even a full schedule. So a full schedule doesn't equate with busy or busyness. A, a spirit of hurriedness, a spirit of busyness is not the same thing as, oh, we have, we have a calendar full. I know that, 
you know, Lauren and I have had to confront that in ourselves when we look at it and we say, oh, we have, we have something every night this week. But then we also stop and think, but those are, but they're good things. And if I don't have a hurried heart, it's really fun to go and watch my kids, you know, in activities. Yes. It's fun to connect with people while I'm there. Yes. I will admit that sometimes basketball games get a little stressful. And so there's, there's that side of it, but, but it doesn't need to be that way. That's definitely an internal issue. So that's one thing is to realize that you can actually have a spirit of rest. We can find rest in Christ, even in circumstances that are full. And sometimes we get it in our head. It's like we, that goes back to the busyness culture, right? That where our value and our identity is found in the fact that we're busy. And so I don't like, I think a lot of people have faced this when I've shared this, a lot of people have related to it, a feeling hurried. It's, it's like, I mean, my, my dad would always say running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. It's just like this. Um, I'm glad by the way, to be in a culture that would understand what that means again. Oh yeah. For years I was like in California, like they're, they'd be like, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. You're like, oh, well, and then you explain it and then they're horrified because they don't always know that that's actually how chicken gets to the grocery store. And yes, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. So back in a, back in a rural community, you can be like, yeah, I know what a chicken looks like. When but, um, that idea of like, you feel rushed and busy even when you're not like, mm-hmm. even when, you know, if you've ever found yourself feeling like, Oh, I just feel like I've got so many things to do. And then you actually write it out and go, Oh, that's actually not that much. Um, so that's one is that spirit of, of rest. But the other is like the intentionality of it, you know, that if you are, I think, um, I would encourage people to step back and be intentional. Look at your calendar during the season and block off time where you say, Hey, we're actually, we're just going to sit. Mm-hmm. We're going to be with, with one another. You know, maybe, maybe with your family, you just say, listen, we're going to put all devices away and we're just going to sit in this room together. You can read a book. You're, you're not even necessarily forcing, you know, like game night or you could do that, but just say like, Hey, we're just going to be together in this part of the house and you can, you can read, you can, you know, like whatever you can work on a craft or whatever you can play a game. Um, but we're just going to carve out some space to be intentional. I think that that would be really mm-hmm. helpful because we we're so, we're so adamant about allowing all these other things to come into our calendar. And we block those things off. Yes. I think it's also important to block off kind of that open space for margins um, and then treat it, treat it the same way that you would treat you know, a basketball game or a school concert where you'd say, Oh yeah, we, we're not able to do that. You know, obviously you can make choices if somebody mm-hmm. there, there are, there are ways that just like you would with a game or a concert, like there, you'd make a value choice uh, if something, if there's a conflict, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever you feel like you need to do. But I think if we started there and actually blocked that time off so that, like you said, if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else to at least be conscious about, Oh, this was, this was a time we were going to block off for us to just kind of be in just together with a slow pace. Mm-hmm. And so what, what's being asked to kind of interrupt that, is that worth that? Yeah. And at our house, the that's where actually having the Christmas tree is helpful because it is, ends up being a, a draw, like a point where you can be together. Even if you're just, I like, I like that you mentioned devices. We all know, you know, that that is a contributing factor, I think, for all of us 
when our hearts are hurried, it's like trying to get a bunch of things done, responding to texts, scheduling, paying a bill, shopping, all of that is happening, right? Simultaneously when you're trying to be together. And it's cool when you think about your examples of like a going to a sports event or a school concert or, you know, a parade or whatever, we typically aren't on our phone the whole time we're doing those things. If we are, it's kind of like, why are you here? So usually you're just present. And I think if you apply that same principle to that time, even if it's just like an hour or half hour with each other, it can really be an important slowdown. And especially for me, when I, you know, during this season, I want to grow. I want to experience him. This morning, the I'm following an Advent reading plan. And that's something I'd recommend too, is just immerse yourself in the texts. So this morning, the reading was from just read Psalm 16. And uh, the the sentence that really struck me was, the Lord is my portion and my cup, and he's what we get. And, you know, this time of year, so much energy is expended trying to get us to feel that we lack and that we need, and that now is the time we got to act now or we're never going to get it, whatever the thing is, you know. And what a, for my soul, what a good reminder this morning that he is my portion, he is my cup, he is what I get, and I'm so thankful that he is what I get. But at the same time, like I was saying in the sermon, I know that there's parts of that truth that my heart is still blind to and I don't know it. I don't realize it. So I want him to take me deeper into that this season. You know, Lord, help me to see what I can't yet see with your light. Thank you that I can see, but help me to see even more. And to me, that that encapsulates the the part of Advent that is still like we are in the middle of a struggle. And the end has not yet come, you know, like we are still in the middle of facing all of us will have some challenge today. We will come encounter with, with evil. It might be in our own heart, but it might be outside of us. And I think it is a time to lean into that. How do I overcome that with good? And that kind of goes into the other big point that I thought was really important. Uh, you talked obviously about light and darkness and, I was just struck by, um, I don't know, just this very simple, uh, this very simple picture that I, that I've used quite a bit with people and I'm not the only one that's used this at all, but the idea that, that our lives here on earth in that already not yet phase, the kingdom of God has come, but has collided with the kingdom of darkness. And so there is a battle. Paul talks about the spiritual warfare that's going on. So there, these kingdoms are clashing right now, which creates unrest. And I, I think we forget a lot of times that everything we experience here on earth is either a a glimpse of heaven or a glimpse of hell. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a glimpse. And by that, I mean, it's a glimpse of what, what life is like in totality with God through light and through the joys of what we experience here, the grace that we experience or a glimpse of what life is like without God, with God as absence, which is darkness, right? So every, every day we have reminders of that, the night and the, the early church understood this, like the Jewish, you know, people, people of Israel, like God's people understood this, that night represented like, this is a daily reminder of this is what 
this is what life is like apart from God. It's in darkness. And even there, there was, there's like remnant of the light. You know, the, the moon reflects still the, the sun, the stars are there, but then the moon goes through, you know, cycles. And so you, there's this rhythm to it. And I, I think, I wish if I could just help every, like if everybody could just understand or see that whether you are a Christian or not, the Bible is very clear that God's grace and the light that he shines it is it shines on everyone right so it's not just on christians it's not just on those who say you know follow him he has there's this idea of common grace that god just um you know a medical advancement that saves lives is available to christians and non-christians right it's not like it's not like some you know uh, antibiotic or something like is only effective on people who are born again you know or anything like that it's common grace someone who doesn't follow Jesus can know the joy of being, uh, you know, of having a, a beautiful, you know, marriage and, and, you know, children that they love and, you know, success in the world and, and that kind of stuff. And I think what's, what is important to understand is that whether, whether it's acknowledged or not, every good thing comes from God. Those are all like him shining light into the darkness, which is completely manifested in the incarnation. And that's what we celebrate. But we're also then celebrating everything that every good thing that God does for everybody. And that it's his, it's his reminder of like, this comes from God. And so that's one of our best evangelism tools is to let people know, like every good thing that is in your life is actually from God, whether you recognize it or not. And we have lots of illustrations in the world about, how we, you know, miss that. I think of like a football team where you have the quarterback and the head coach who have always, you know, won all these championships together. And then there's always this feeling of, well, but is it really because of the coach or is it really because of the quarterback? And then everybody wants to see them break up so you can see who's still successful or, or whatever. Well, there's a similar thing going on with like, if you recognize that all every good thing comes from God, then you realize that in, in the in your day-to-day life, he is constantly making himself known and say, and giving you an invitation and saying, this is what life with me is like. And in eternity, this is all you will experience. You will only experience the light and the good things of your life. And likewise, the darkness in our life is a glimpse of what it, what it's going to be like for those who finally are separated from God, who say, no, I, I am the giver of all of my good gifts. And eventually God will turn people over to their desires and say, okay, then you, you are, you are kingdom. You are the head of your own, you're the king of your own world and the master of your own domain. And that is when we'll be, you know, people will be consumed in darkness because God will remove his light. You know, after being rejected uh, uh, all those times, eventually God removes his light from that world and from that kingdom. And then that, that is utter darkness. And I just, it's one of the great um, apologetics of just nature is is realizing that it, these kingdoms are clashing, and that every when, and rather than blaming God for the darkness that's in the world, we should be praising Him for the light. You know, it'd be like driving in darkness and blaming your headlights for the reason the woods next to you are so dark. Mm-hmm. And you, well, that would be silly. Your headlights are the things that are allowing you to see the road. That's what's bringing light. It's not, it's not your headlight. You know, it's not 
but there's going to come a day where God is going to say like, this is like the over here is all light all the time. And over here is going to be utter darkness. So it's, it, I don't know. It's just a reminder when you were preaching that, when I was listening to that, I just thought, man, I, I hope that that sinks in for people. I hope. And when that does happen, then it gives you an attitude of gratefulness for every, every light that shines through because it's a constant reminder that God is involved, that God is near and that God is making all things right. And he's constantly giving you tastes of these beautiful things and saying like, there's going to come a day where this is the only thing you're going to have. Like this other pain and suffering and darkness that you're experiencing is also a reminder that you, that we need him. So it's also his kindness that he allows that, that we would know that we would know what light is and that we would want that and that we would want the giver of that. Yeah. That that's, I think part of what the, the discipline of anticipation is, you know, it's the intentional reminder of that lately for whatever reason, I've just had this recurring thought of in the middle of a day, like you were describing a full day or a day where I'm like, man, there's a lot, a lot of energy that's going to need to be expended. I don't really feel like I have that energy right now. (laughs) I'm sure everyone can relate to that feeling. I've had the recurring thought of like, just Lord, thank it's really simple. Lord, thank you for the life you gave me. Help me to live and enjoy it today. Even in the midst of a day that's so full and it's wild how that shifts perspective to all those sources of light rather than the potential sources of darkness. Right. And it's, if we don't do that, we run the risk of really just letting our life pass by and just missing it because we're just focused on the dark and the dark, it confronts us, right? It, we don't, we don't ask for it. So we have to deal with it. I'm not saying ignore it, but I do think even in the middle of the darkest moments, there is still light there is God is still here he is still active among us and I I think that's part of what we get to practice doing as we get ready for Christmas and Advent I think that's part of why it's so crucial because we're in this in-between time we need it all the time we need to be able to do that every day yeah that practice of gratitude and and anticipation knowing that light is showing up and and you know, much has been said about like every, every bit of darkness we recognize because of the light that, mm-hmm. that we've also experienced. So, you know, illness is difficult because we know what health looks like, you know, and, and grief over, like you were mentioning with your mom, that, that grief is profound because of the light mm-hmm. that, you, that God shown through your mom in your family, you know, that everything that, everything we have, it has that flip side. And so like I, you know, I was saying about the full calendar, like I've Lauren and I have often said to each other, like, there's going to come a day where we're going to wish that we had a basketball game to go to, you know, there's going to come a day where we're going to reflect back on this, you know, and, and thinking about different life stages. I just got to go visit Max, you know, Max and Sharice and their new baby. Um, and, and just looking at it, they are so tired. <laughs> They're so mm-hmm. tired. And then also just delighting in in that season. And there's always that thing where people say, Well, you know, someday you'll you'll miss this. And I always get it, but when you're in that season, you don't you don't feel it and um you get there's some frustration there. But you know, I was just encouraging them with like every season has legitimate challenges and legitimate joys and and you know I, just little grace and, and light and 
Um, so I know that they're feeling the tension of both those things. And so in that, I was trying to give them freedom to like, you can grieve over these hard things in this season of life because they really are trials and they really are challenging. Sleep, sleep def- deprivation is no joke, right? It's not That's for the a, faint of heart. It's very difficult. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't, so grieving over, and I think you always do such a good job with this, like grieving over the darkness of a situation is not mutually exclusive to rejoicing in the light. Mm-hmm. And in fact, grieving in a healthy way enhances your enjoyment, I think, of the light. Like it, they go hand in hand. Now, unhealthy grieving, which would go to complaining and bitterness and those kinds of things, a hardness of heart, that keeps you from from experiencing the joy and gratitude in the light. But true grieving, like biblical grieving, just sorrow over the the sadness over just darkness and grief over the pain of that, that will actually lead you to rejoice more in the light. And the the stakes are high with that. You know, we we need that from each other. Yeah. We need to be able to respond to the hard things that we see in other people's lives with compassion and with empathy and love. And I don't think we're going to be able to do that as we were designed to and meant to, unless we can feel it in some way. So we have to look at it realistically, but also not be consumed by that. Right. You know, we need that. And I think there's a missional impact as well as we just live in the world that God and the place that God has put us, the people in our lives need to know when they go through things that we do care about that. And it makes a difference to us and to our own heart, what we are feeling. And they need to hear that, that life there, there's still hope. Um, and apart from Jesus and apart from what he has done in us, the hope is a very temporary thing and a very contingent thing, but in him it's solid and assured and we can bank on it. And so we're, we have plenty of friends in our life and family in our lives. I'm sure who they don't understand that the way that we do who follow Jesus, but we can on their behalf as we minister to them, we can actually have a solid hope that allows us to come alongside people when they experience difficult things. Like just this morning on the way in, I I could see smoke rising over in Marinette. Well, it's a house fire. So someone's house today in Marinette burned down and they're going to need people to come around them. Talk about a horrible day, right? That none of us ever want to face but they will need people who are near them to come alongside them and help them, help them to feel the sadness of the moment, but then help them to move forward with their life and to, to show them like we can keep going. Um, that's what's going on in our world. And so I think that's why this season is so important for us. It's important for us in the church, but then our, our witness outside of the church, our mission. And you made kind of, as we get, make our approach here to the landing strip. But I, there's something that you just said there that I think is so critical. So with this anticipating Christ and and you pointed this out in the sermon that, um, that there can be a despair for people. They just say, this is the worst our culture has ever been and look Mm -hmm. at the world. And, and I think at some level we know that's not true. It may be the worst we feel that we can remember feeling, or, you know, I think what we usually mean in those circumstances is that there are things that we didn't anticipate that feel very disorienting. But I think it's really important. I think one of the practical things that the church can do is to remember that the kingdom is, is forward. It's not backward. It's not in our past. 
like our hope of a kingdom is in the future. We're in the already not yet. That's the anticipation, right? And mm-hmm. what our tension, like what our, what the common response is, is to look backward and to think that in the past was, was the glory days that, you know, this used to not be, we used to not have these problems, but the reality is, is that every era has its own problems because darkness has always existed here. As long, ever since the fall in the garden, darkness has existed. And you pointed that out in the sermon that evil is not new. Like this has always existed. And if you think about that and you realize that, okay, the kingdom is forward. So imagine if as Christians, imagine if we used this Advent season as a catalyst to remind ourselves that the redemption of Christ is at hand. Like the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is returning in anticipation looking forward. And so when we see the darkness around us, what we can imagine is how beautiful the light will be shining into that. And so rather than just um, complaining about where our culture is right now, look forward to the redemption of Jesus, looking forward to how will Jesus shine light into the midst of this darkness? How will he redeem these things? How how will he reconcile all things? There should be, and I think you you pointed out those ditches that we tend to fall in, and one is like a false optimism, Mm -hmm. which is more of just a detached form of that. And the call is for Christians to be engaged in the world, but not of the world. So engaged with the culture, which means if you're going to be engaged with the culture, you are going to grieve over the brokenness of it. You you can't be engaged and detached at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we don't find our hope in that we are detached from it. We just don't let anything bother us. No, we are engaged and we grieve, but we're also looking forward knowing that Jesus is going to make all these things right. I've, I've used this before it's a dumb illustration. It only makes sense to people who watched sporting events and would record them and watch them after you knew, after you know what the final score is. That I remember as a kid watching like an Iowa basketball game where I know they end up winning, but I haven't seen the game. And in that, you and they would get behind by like ten or fifteen, and I'd actually like. I I would just be even more excited when the other team would hit you know, another three and Iowa would go down by like 20 because I knew they're going to win. So the bigger this deficit becomes, the more like exciting is like, how are they going to do this? Like, it's one thing if you know they're going to win and they're ahead by 15 the whole time, you're like, okay, well, yeah. But when you know they're going to win, and if you don't know they're going to win, there's a stress and an anxiety of being behind that far. But when you know they're going to win, there's like this anticipation of how in the world is this going to happen? How in the world did they do this? And I feel that way a lot of times when I'm looking at God, when I see some of the, the, the sadness and the grief in our culture, like I've found myself anticipating just being like, man, God, how are you going to do this? I know you are going to do this. I know you are going to continue to bring people to yourself. You're going to continue to have the church be salt and light in the world until you return. And when you return, you're going to make all things right. I, I just anticipate like, what is that going to look like? How are you going to do that? And so there's a little bit of childlike wonder in me that's combined with the grief over the brokenness. And, and I think we just, we have to be able to hold those intention and remember that last phrase, which you had 
pointed out, you were excited about even before the sermon, that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Yeah. Like it's his passion, his engagement that is going to ensure this, that he's not distant. He's not begrudgingly doing all of this. He's not like, okay, well, eventually I'm off doing other things, but eventually I'm going to come back and bail you out. It is like his passion for us and for his creation and for his glory that assures that this is all going to be the case. Yeah, that 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 statement, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's one we need to have in our mind all the time, right? Because we come to the end of ourselves pretty quickly and even our own will to move towards the kingdom, right? It just, we're finite, we're dependent, but to remember, yeah, but the zeal of the Lord of hosts will, will do this. If you took that sentence apart and just emphasized a different word each time you said it, I think that I didn't do that before the sermon, but that would be an amazing exercise just to meditate on what God is saying there. It's good to be with you, Jay, in this. It is. It is. I'm excited to keep going through Advent. I am too. I hope that our church would. So that's my encouragement. I mean, just that we would anticipate Christ together and just remind one another that, yeah, let's, we can grieve, but let's also anticipate knowing that Jesus is going to return. He is going to make all things right. We will rejoice in that being found in him. And so, um, so we want to anticipate with each other and then knowing that that makes us different, that allows us to reflect that light to the world because who has hope and anticipation in the midst of, you know, trials and sorrows and brokenness, like how, where do you get that? And, and the world looks at that and they don't, there's nothing, there's no other response to that, like the confidence that we are called to have, but that's demonstrated through our joyful anticipation and our ability to, to grieve and be with, with people who are suffering and in trials and to understand these clashes of kingdoms, to know that, yeah, to not be surprised when you know that the kingdoms are clashing, you're not surprised Mm -mm. that there's darkness around you, um, to not be surprised, but to grieve, but to also look forward with joyful anticipation to knowing that Christ is going to make all these things right. And as we always say, you can't do that on your own. Like these are not things that you can just remind yourself in your own mind. We are, you should remind you like preach these things to yourself all the time, but we need one another to help us in that. We, we can't just be in our, left to our own devices and just figure it out. We need to be encouraged and reminded, um, by one another. And so we want to help you connect as always, please, uh, talk to us on a Sunday, email us at connect at faithpestigo.com. Um, so we can help you get connected with other Christ followers who um, are are anticipating Christ, that you'd be able to anticipate Christ together um, during this season and during all seasons. So we hope this has been helpful to you. We appreciate your time and taking the time to listen. Until next time, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.